How high can you go? Today, we look at the upper limits of stimulant dosing. Welcome to the Carlite Psychiatry Podcast, keeping psychiatry honest since 2003. I'm Chris Aiken, the Editor-in-Chief of the Carlite Psychiatry Report. And I'm Kelly Newsom, a psychiatric NP and a dedicated reader of every issue. We're continuing our countdown of the most read articles from 2023, with number three on the list, Stimulant Dosing Limits, by Kelvin Quinones Laracuente, MD, PhD, and Chris Aiken, MD. You can read all of the top 15 articles free online through the link in the show notes, or just Google Top 15 Carlat Psychiatry Articles of 2023. Dr. Quinones Laracuente is an assistant professor the Department of Psychiatry at NYU Grossman School of Medicine, and he wrote this piece in his final year of residency at NYU, where Dr. Aiken taught a course on medical writing. He and Dr. Aiken have no disclosures related to this material. No disclosures this time, that is true, but the piece was inspired by a patient scenario that comes up with increasing frequency. We are seeing more and more adult patients come in on high-dose stimulants. The floodgates opened up in 2004 when stimulants first got approved for adult ADHD, a diagnosis that brings together two unfortunate forces in medicine. On the one hand, the treatment is highly rewarding, a sought-after substance that has a long history of overuse in the U.S. On the other hand, the diagnosis is difficult to make requiring a childhood history that is nearly impossible to pin down in adults, and requiring symptoms that show up in most other psych disorders or even in normal people who are stressed out or sleep-deprived. I don't have any research to back this up, but my guess is that when stimulants are used to treat real ADHD, people respond well and they keep responding well. They don't need to escalate the dose. But when they are used off-label, they have uh, imperfect effects. They improve some areas of cognition, but worse than others, and their initial benefits tend to wear off, causing patients to ask for higher and higher doses. Which brings us to the question, how high can you go? Let's get into the article, and I understand you have an update for us at the end. Yes, I'm very excited about this update. This was a hard piece to write because there were no good reviews that focused on stimulant dosing levels, so we had to search through all the studies we could find to see which doses were used. We did our best on a low budget, but a few months after we published it, the piece we were looking for came out, a large scientific review of high-dose stimulants in JAMA Psych. We'll get to that later. Let's start with a case. Amanda is an engineering student with ADHD. After six years of treatment, she says her current dose of Adderall XR, 40 milligrams, does not work like it used to. You note the 40 milligrams daily is the listed FDA maximum daily dosage of Adderall, and you are unsure whether to increase the dose or not. If this were a case of depression, we might just raise the dose of the antidepressant a little, even if we're unsure if it's going to work and are only hoping for a placebo effect in the untested range. But stimulants are different. These medications are inherently rewarding. 
which means we can't take a purely collaborative approach and let patients guide the dose. But the answer to the question, how high is it legit to go, is not as clear as we'd like. Even though these are tightly controlled as Schedule II drugs, the FDA is not always crystal clear on what the max dose is. So what could go wrong in going higher? A higher dose raises the risk of abuse and diversion, as well as cardiovascular problems like hypertension, stroke, and myocardial infarction. It may even worsen cognition, either by disrupting sleep or causing a hyperfocused state that makes it difficult for the patient to shift gears and change tasks. And then there's psychiatric problems. Psychosis and mania become more likely as the dose inches up. When patients with narcolepsy took high doses of stimulants, approximately double the FDA maximum, it raised their risk of psychosis 12-fold. Psychiatric hospitalization, threefold, and substance abuse, fourfold, according to a study that compared outcomes in high and low doses. That's a remarkable study because it was done in narcolepsy, so those patients didn't necessarily have psychiatric problems to begin with. I worry that the consequences might be worse in a psychiatric population. We don't often talk about animal studies, but in an area like this that is largely untested in humans, the animal data is informative, and they don't look good for high-dose stimulants, particularly the amphetamines. Studies with baboons have shown damage in striatal dopaminergic terminals on elevated doses of amphetamines, equivalent to 60 milligrams a day, and above in human dosing. At higher doses, animal studies reveal neurotoxic damage to dopaminergic neurons in the chordate putamen. Now let's look at what we know about dosing, starting with the amphetamines. But first, a preview of the CME quiz for this episode. Find a link to the full quiz in the show notes or on the podcast page of the Carlat Report website. One, for which disorder does the FDA allow dosing of mixed amphetamine salts, Adderall, up to 60 milligrams per day? A, ADHD, B, narcolepsy, C, adult ADHD, D, ADHD with CYP2D6 rapid metabolism. The FDA sets the maximum for Adderall at a dose of 40 mg a day for adult ADHD. However, they allow up to 60 mg a day for more severe cases of ADHD, as well as for narcolepsy. That 40 to 60 mg max was derived from a large registration trial of adult ADHD. This study was done by Dr. Richard Weisler and colleagues, that's the Dr. Weisler we featured on the podcast as he was the discoverer of lamotrigine in mood disorders. And last month, I had the bittersweet honor of attending his retirement party at a steakhouse in Raleigh. Dr. Weisler's study compared three doses of Adderall XR in adults, 20, 40, and 60 milligrams a day and he found that there was no significant difference between these three doses 
in terms of their safety and efficacy on average. But there was some evidence that people with more severe ADHD did better on the higher doses of 40 to 60 milligrams a day. But that finding is limited because it's a secondary data fishing kind of finding. We recommend thinking of the dose of amphetamines, Adderall, in three zones. The safe zone, below 40 milligrams a day. The gray zone, 40 to 60 milligrams a day. And the danger zone, above 60 milligrams a day. Going up to 60 milligrams a day might be justified when the symptoms are severe. But you'd want to document their presence on the mental status exam and verify that the ADHD is affecting the patient's functioning with real-life examples. We are not aware of research justifying a dose above 60 milligrams a day, which would land us in the danger zone. Higher doses might also be justified when a longer duration is needed, like take my day is, as in my day is 16 hours. That one is a very extended release version of Adderall, and it has a maximum dose of 50 milligrams a day, not 40 milligrams a day. But as you're spreading that out over a longer period, it's going to lead to similar plasma levels as Adderall XR 40 milligrams, because the dose is spread out over 16 hours instead of 12. When extending the duration, make sure the patient is getting adequate sleep so they are not relying on the stimulant for symptoms of sleep deprivation. And here's a pearl we left out of the article. Amphetamines are more likely to disrupt sleep than methylphenidate. To summarize, the FDA has a wishy-washy maximum for Adderall in adults. It's somewhere between 40 to 60 milligrams, but we don't recommend going above 40 milligrams unless the symptoms are severe. And it would be the really rare case and a risky one, where you'd go beyond 60 milligrams a day of Adderall. For methylphenidates like Ritalin and Concerta, the FDA gives a clear maximum, although it varies slightly by formulation. That max is 60 milligrams a day for methylphenidate instant release, but higher doses are allowed for products with longer durations, such as Concerta, 72 milligrams over 12 hours and Adhansia, 85 milligrams over 16 hours. A few methylphenidate products have lower dose caps because more of the drug is absorbed. These include the transdermal formulation, Daytrana is given at half the usual methylphenidate dose, and orally disintegrating tablets. Cotempla ODT is dosed at 86% of the usual dose and Adzenus ODT at 65%. So the FDA is vague about the safe upper limits of amphetamines, placing it around 40 to 60 milligrams for Adderall. But they are pretty clear about the upper limits with methylphenidate. You'll need to check in the prescribing information as it varies for each methylphenidate formulation, or you can view the table in the online Carlat article. One caveat, we're talking about adult dosages here. Things may be a little different in children. But Dr. Aiken, what about the elderly? Adult ADHD is a relatively new concept, and geriatric ADHD is newer still. 
the middle-aged patients who started stimulants 20 years ago when the FDA first approved them in adults are now entering their retirement years with little data to guide us in how to treat them. There are no controlled trials in patients with ADHD after age 50, but a few observational studies suggest that older adults continue to benefit, although at lower doses, such as like average doses of 30 milligrams a day for methylphenidate or 10 milligrams a day for Adderall. There are reasons to consider these lower doses and lowering the dose as the patient ages. Here are some of them. Older adults are more susceptible to the cardiovascular side effects, and based on animal data, they're more susceptible to the neurotoxic effects of stimulants as well. In animal models, the same dose of amphetamine reached twice the levels in the brains of older rats compared to younger rats, suggesting, if that's true for humans, that older adults may not need as high a dose to achieve a good response with the medication. But what about patients who are rapid metabolizers or have drug interactions that might lower the stimulants? I remember a patient who came to see me on 180 milligrams a day of methylphenidate. She said her psychiatrist had told her she needed a high dose because she metabolizes the stimulant quickly. Ah, uh, drug interactions. This is the part of the paper where we have the least data to guide us, which is surprising given how long these medications have been on the market. But then again, most drug interaction studies and genetic studies are done with newer medications that can afford to do that kind of work. So what we know is that stimulant metabolism is complex. And I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that a patient needs a super high dose just based on their genetic testing or drug interactions alone. If you do suspect an interaction is lowering the levels of the stimulant, you can actually test the serum levels of amphetamines or methylphenidate. It's a common laboratory test first to see if they are low. But keep in mind, you're rarely going to need to raise the drug because of drug interactions. Most drug interactions are inhibitors, and that causes the stimulant level to go higher, not inducers, which would lower the levels. The amphetamines are a major substrate of CYP2D6, so strong CYP2D6 inhibitors are going to push those amphetamine doses a bit higher. Those include drugs we often combine with Adderall, drugs like bupropion, duloxetine, fluoxetine, and paroxetine. And, and while we're on it, let's talk about food interactions. There's some myths out there about orange juice and stuff. that These are kind of true, but they don't really have a significant clinical effect. So most stimulants don't have significant food interactions. But I'll say there is one study where Adderall XR was not absorbed very well in the first four hours of the day if it was taken with a large, fatty breakfast. Back to Amanda's case. Going beyond 40 milligrams a day of Adderall would land us in the gray zone for this student. Before taking that step, we should verify that our ADHD is causing significant functional impairment and rule out other causes, such as sleep deprivation or depression. Besides raising the dose, 
Evidence also supports augmenting with guanfacine or switching to a different amphetamine mixture. Example, dextroamphetamine, lysdexamphetamine, Vyvanse. If after discussing risks and benefits, we decide to raise the dose, we should track her progress with a rating like the adult ADHD self-report scale. The bottom line, with psychostimulants, it's best to stay within the FDA-approved limits. Slightly high doses of mixed amphetamine salts, Adderall up to 60 milligrams a day, may be needed for patients with severe symptoms, and lower doses are likely safer and just as effective in the elderly. Or at least that's the bottom line we ended up with. What did you learn from the research update? We can now update that paper with a study that comes to us from Luis Ferhat, MD, from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And he worked with a research team that includes some of the top meta-analytic minds like Andrea Cipriani, Toshi Furukawa, and Samuel Cortesi. They pulled together 47 randomized controlled trials in adult ADHD and created dose response curves for methylphenidate and amphetamine to see whether their efficacy or their risk of side effects and dropouts changed as the dose rose above the FDA limits. To even things out across the formulations, they converted the meds to instant-release methylphenidate doses or instant-release Adderall equivalents. And for interpreting the FDA max, they used a cutoff of 60 milligrams a day for methylphenidate or 40 milligrams a day for Adderall, much like we did. Now, I wish I could show you these curves, but I will post them on my social media feeds today, Monday. Here's what you're going to see. For methylphenidate, there is steady improvement beyond 60 milligrams a day, all the way up to 85 milligrams a day. But that improvement comes at a cost. The adverse effects also start to rise after the FDA max dose of 60 milligrams a day. For amphetamines, we actually don't see much benefit after about 35 milligrams a day, which is below the FDA max of 40. And after about 45 to 50 milligrams a day, the lines start to tip the other way. The ADHD symptoms seem to worsen as the dose goes higher. Not worsening a lot, nothing statistically significant, but just a trend in the wrong direction there. As with methylphenidate, the risk of adverse effects also rises steadily with the dose of Adderall, and the studies here tested Adderall up to 75 milligrams a day of Adderall equivalents. In the methylphenidate analysis, they went up to 85 milligrams a day, and some of the improvement they saw there may be due to the Adhansia studies, where the doses stretched out throughout the day. Adhansia XR is the longest-lasting methylphenidate, clocking in at around 16 hours. It's generally approved up to 85 milligrams a day, although the PDR mentioned they went up to 100 milligrams a day in the studies, but saw more side effects at that point. So what I'm saying is that how high you go ought to depend on the duration of the drug. If the patient is getting 16 hours coverage, they'll need more daily dosage than eight hours coverage. I agree with that. And 
you know, my own experience is also in line with the findings of this paper. I tend to see more psychiatric problems on high-dose amphetamines than I do on high-dose methylphenidate. We have a webinar on that issue in the Carlat website called Amphetamine versus Methylphenidate, if you'd like to learn more. But Kelly, you asked if I had any disclosures, and I should add this one. I am an adult psychiatrist, and the research we discussed in this episode is from adult studies. So I asked our child editor, Josh Fetter, how he would apply it to children. He said that dosing varies a lot from person to person, and sometimes they need to go beyond the max in children. He also reminded us of something that applies to adults as well. All of this research is based on averages. And there's always going to be outliers in those averages. I agree. The challenge is that you need to look at functioning and get objective or third-party reports on that, like grades or job performance or task completion. Don't just take the patient's word for it that they are an outlier and need a higher dose. Their ADHD might be well-controlled, But something like sleep deprivation, temporary stress, depression, or the rewarding qualities, or even medication misuse or sharing meds might be prompting some of those requests for higher doses. Check out the online article, which has a carlite table of dose ranges for the stimulant formulations. Join us next week for number two in the top articles. De-prescribing anti-anxiety medications in older adults. Meanwhile, get daily research updates on Dr. Aiken's social media feeds. Search for Chris Aiken MD on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and that new one, Threads. Thank you for making us the number one downloaded psychiatric podcast in 2023.